Well, I'm live on Facebook. It's Friday night. Um, I'm committed to the cause here, and my co-hosts are missing. So do I talk to myself then? Because Michael and Andrew are supposed to be here. So I went ahead and posted the, the Zoom link in Facebook. So I guess anybody else wants to join me, uh, jump right in because Michael's MIA and I, we asked Ryan Balfi to meet, to meet us and he said he would make it and he didn't make it. And Andrew Wall is jet lagged. So um, I wasn't prepared to speak to myself by myself. So <clears throat> someone wants to join me. Just click on the Zoom link. I'll make you a panelist, and we'll just and we'll just discuss. And yes, you're you're staring at me. Stare at the screen because I don't have anybody else to chat with. So lonely. Matthew, you want to jump in? If no one else jumps in, I'll just end it. So we'll see if somebody wants to jump in. I went ahead and put the Zoom link in the in the comment section. All righty, all right. So I got a few people saying that they're coming. So, so you get to stare at me, stare at the screen for maybe another two minutes until we get the rest of the people in. Okay, there's Ryan. Hey, Ryan, for the sake of consistency, I, I started on time and started without you. Sorry about that. Let's wait until he gets his audio rolling. Hector, what's going on? Hey, what's up, bud? How you doing? I started on time. That was my thing. I started on time. Started. Uh, I started on time. So people heard me talking to myself for like five minutes. Here we go. Hey, what's up, Ryan? Not much. How you doing? Good man. So you're you're a newcomer, right? You haven't been here before. I've never been here, other other than when you had it when it was kind of the free for all. When it was uh, uh the Brady Bunch episode. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, let's start with you, uh, uh, Brian. Tell us a little bit about your business, your specialty. Uh, it, but I guess we don't know each other. So what's up, man? We don't know. So, uh, well, you know my business partner, Sean Duffy. Yeah, Sean. Yeah. So we are the owners of Blueprint Accounting. We're in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Uh, we're a, like most people that probably attend this, uh, this Friday night session, we're a cloud-based bookkeeping firm. So all, all the apps that you can imagine, um, you know, we offer VCFO services, a lot of process improvement stuff. And uh, I, I'm specifically high on Zapier. So if you have any questions about that, I'm 
Jones right. in to talk about it. That's for sure. Sure. I would love to talk about Zapier. So I'll be in Ottawa on July 2nd. We're meeting so, then for sure. So maybe we can have some lunch or something. I'll be with, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be with my wife and four kids. So that's cool. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. We'll, we'll bring Sean out. It'll be a good time. That'll be great. So nice to meet you, yeah. Brian. And Definitely. Ryan, Ryan, remind us uh, what your, what your deal is, man. I am the founder and CEO of Cupros. We're a back office consulting firm for small businesses and startups uh, based out of New York um, and, <clears throat> you know, deal with all the uh, popular apps that are out there and optimize workflows for our clients. Um, also a big fan of Zapier as well, or Zapier, okay. however. All right. So I guess we're going to have, we're going to have to talk about Zapier today, but uh, is there anything you guys want to get off your chest uh, in this week in accounting before we, we throw up a big heavy topic? I feel like it's been a long week, like a really crazy week with a lot of interesting topics. Uh, I don't know if you guys have been following the whole Botkeeper yep. um, circus and um, I don't know. It just feels like on Tuesday, it felt like it should have been Friday already. It was just like one of those crazy weeks where, you know, all your clients are coming to you because they need all of their financial statements because like now they're finally getting to it. They probably, you know, uh, are trying to squeeze them in by the 15th and it's just been like a ridiculous. But, but I think with like, you know, you're talking about this, uh, butt keeper drama. I think, I think we're, a lot of these drama we're creating it. Like we're, we're sort of like, exactly. you know, we, we, we are, we are ourselves getting way too emotionally involved with, it's into a testing bookkeeping and is bot keeper real bots or is it outsourced? I mean, the drama is kind of fabricated, isn't it? I completely agree. Uh, you couldn't have said it better. I think everybody just needs to relax and chill. <laughs> like we're, we're, we're fine. Yeah, you exactly. Know, it, it was ine inevitable that Intuit was going to do this. They'd be dumb if they, they didn't. And like, it's not like AI first of all, 75% of the people probably don't even know what AI is. They just keep hearing about AI machine learning and they think there's like this big robot that is just going to take over all of our jobs. That's never going to happen. Like there's, there's too many elements involved with what we do that at least not in our lifetime, no robot will be ever to completely take over. So, so I, I think take over, I think, it will transform our jobs, which is different than take over. I think that's the key component there. Cause I also don't want to believe that like real AI, cause people tend to confuse software with AI and, and, and I'm not an expert in AI, but I know that people uh, take a software that's predetermined with a set of rules and a decision tree and they call that AI. That's not AI, right? But you know, like bank feeds in QuickBooks Online that's a rule-based decision tree, priority-based uh, software. That's not AI, right? Right. So, so I think they, they throw the word AI out there a lot and people get scared about it. But I do think that real AI and machine learning and all that stuff will change our job description. It will. It won't take over it, but it will change it. Right. And, and I think that some folks that are maybe not very tech oriented or maybe they're afraid of 
the cloud and they want to stay with you know desktop type software and all that stuff. Um, they're worried because they know it's going to happen. They're not they're not worried because they're they're skeptical of it. I think they're worried because they they know it's going to happen and they just don't know how to adapt to it or how to how to partner with it. I guess that's right. kind of the big deal because even in today's conversation with David Leary and Blake Oliver, who were talking to the Bot Keeper CEO. It was all about, okay, you know, you got to partner with the bots. Don't be afraid of the bots. And none of the people, the, inter- the interview had nothing to do with fear of bots. It had to do with disclosure on whether or not you were just one big outsource company disguised as an AI company, right? That was a real discussion. The thing is that, again, I think I told Blake, you know, he was overly contentious and overly dramatic about it without getting to the point. The point is, hey, tell us if you're an outsource company. I mean, that's it. That's really all, all, all it is. But yeah. I, I, a lot of the drama is fabricated, I think. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you in the sense that the disclosure, I, th- I think it's important for sure. And especially the, the points that Blake was alluding to and the fact that like CPA uh, US or I think it's AI CPA in, in, uh, in the US says that you can't, um, send information across seas or out of out of the US borders. And, and there was a lot of discussion around that for sure. Lots of arguments back and forth on both sides. But um, yeah, I, I think that was that was that was definitely a contentious point. But um, but it, come on, Enrico's argument was like, oh the data's not being sent overseas. And Blake's like, <laughs> but someone's looking at it on a screen. Yes, but the data is in the US. And it's like, oh come on. You know it's oh. My favorite part was um, <laughs> when when the developer jumped in and said, "You really have to trust what we're building here. Uh, you know, we only we only sleep like five hours a night on average. Like we're working really hard at this." Oh, I missed that part. Like, that must like, like, I left was, like halfway through. I, I think it's just it making, kind of like I think it's just making the point that there's real engineers building real technology. I think because you I know, Blake, so with the funding that they got. Right. And with that, you know, yeah. and with the 30 hours a day, you know, uh, that, that he said he was working. I was yeah. like 30 hours a day. I don't know. Okay. Anyway. The math, the uh, math doesn't work. Yeah. Right. Right. So let's, 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 let's talk about maybe I, a non, non drama. Let me, let me, let me talk. Let me, let me add to that actually. So to your point where you were saying, um, uh, oh my God, it just left my mind. Um, not the contentiousness, but um, okay, I, shit, I forget now. <laughs> I hate when that oh, oh, you said, okay, now we have to put an E next to this episode. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> keep, keep keep going. I'm going to come back to that. That's keep fine. Going. That's fine. I'm going to remember okay. exactly what it was. But. All right. So uh, you, need to, you need to adapt more AI into your I microphone. Think, right, right. So yeah. it'll remember your previous exactly. stuff. Oh. That actually helped. Thank you. Yeah, there you go. Okay, the AI piece. So you were saying how, uh, like, kind of the point behind AI is to help us with the bookkeeping, right? Make it a little more efficient. I completely agree with that. And I think Blake was more or less saying, yes, I agree with it. But, you know, he was arguing the point of it being outsourced, being in Philippines, that sort of thing. But kind of the point of behind AI is like, you build out that sort of stack to help you process your transactions, make it more efficient, um, make the experience better for the client. And then that actually allows you to do that advisory piece, right? So you were talking about advisory services. And, and I think that's kind of where, you know, if Bawkeeper is truly what they're saying it could be, 
then you can you actually could plug it into your your books with every single client make it a ton more efficient and then you actually do have that opportunity to instead of doing bookkeeping you're focusing more on advisory and and like being able to produce more like value-added services right um whether or not that's the case i mean that was kind of the argument today right just just through the the, the conversation but but okay, who in the accounting industry doesn't sing the same lyrics to the same song you know, <laughs> yeah. you know free up the bookkeeping yeah. to focus yeah. more that's true it's true it's the same like, song over and over no i know i know and, and that's that's true that is very true everyone says says that time and again but like if there is a solution out there that could actually free that up, the, no, maybe there, that's there, worthwhile. But right, but if they are is. projecting it in that way, but and there, there is in that it, way, then then that's where the argument comes. Right? There, there is, and the solution might be software. The solution might be people. Yeah. And 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 he made a point. He's saying, look, at the end of the day, we're offering a solution. If we're given the solution, who cares how we get it? And and, and that's a very Silicon Valley point, and I get it. The thing is, they don't understand accountants. See. Yeah. When, when we're accountants, we want to be the only ones with judgment. Everything else needs to be a tool. And the minute you say, oh, we got this other thing that has judgment, we don't like that. I mean, even, even if it solves it for us, we don't like that. It just, it's just knowing that there's another variability of a human element is that we don't like. So if you tell us it's a but, believe it or not, I want it to be a but. I don't want a human being involved. Yeah. That's, that's a weird concept that... I think it's something that plagues us. I think that all of us are control freaks. And many a times we don't even delegate things within our firm because we don't want any other potential human error type thing to make the error. I'm okay if QuickBooks, bank fees, butches, you know, the, the auto categorization because it's the tool making the mistake and I control the tool. But yep. if it's another human being butching it, I don't know you know, the judgment, the circumstances, why it happened. And yeah. I can't, I can't pick up the pattern and I can't fix it unless I'm literally training the other human being. So that's the point that they missed. You know, we don't yeah. want another, we're not looking for the result. We just want the tool because we want to observe how the tool works. We want to mold the tool and we don't want that human viability. Anyway, so well, let's put that one to bed. Add, oh, go, go ahead, Ryan. One thing real quick. So my thing is like, when is enough enough? Because you know, like an, analyzing, if you analyze your, your workflow and, and how you manage relationships with your clients now, are you happy with the, the tools that you have? And if you asked me that question two years ago, I, I would have the same answer. Like, yes, the, the uh, bank feeds and QuickBooks are excellent and they're getting better. Reconciliations are so, something that takes 30 seconds, not even anymore. Um, you know, you have your suite of third-party apps that help you out. What more do you need? Like, like how much more time can you save by implementing these new technologies? Like for $900 to, or, or $899 to code 200 transactions, I can sort the QuickBooks bank feed by description and code a thousand transactions in maybe 15 minutes, you know? And yep. like, it's just, uh, we have all the, I don't understand why everybody's always thinking that they, they don't have the right suite of services and tools powering their businesses. They've been here 
and those tools are, are, are even getting better. Like, why are we still talking about like enhanced automation and enhanced AI? Like, yeah, it would be great if uh, we could press a button and everything is magically entered for us. But then the, the, the con to that is you're completely removing yourself from your client's operation and uh, as an indirect, an, an indirect impact to that is you no, you no longer really have any conversational points when, when you talk to your clients. And I'm a firm believer that um, the relationship management aspect with your client is what allows them to continue to pay your monthly invoices you know, and, and not, not necessarily because you're one of the best experts in the field. Like you could be an average uh, bookkeeper or an average accountant, but if you have really good uh, personality skills or your team has really good personality skills and they're able to relate to the client and talk to them about, you know, um, how the Phillies just signed Bryce Harper for 330 million. <laughs> Like that, that stuff is all very important and, and clients want to be listened to. What, what's a Philly? What's a Bryce Harper? How do Phil, you eat? Philadelphia Phillies. Bryce is that Harper. a sandwich? That type of sandwich? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on, watch some baseball. Come no, on. no. Well, I'm, I'm a Phillies fan. So that. Uh, oh, yeah, I, 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 I'm going to, Ryan, you said a lot. So let me try to unpack two things. The first thing you said, I think you were saying is that never ending search for efficiency makes you inefficient, right? Because absolutely, there, there's a point where just looking for an app, an app, an app, an app, and the learning, the never ending learning curve just gets you completely away from the point, which is just get the job done and move forward. And the second piece you're saying is, I think if I understand, is when you appify everything and you outsource everything, that it really takes away, you know, some of the essence of the consulting, which is kind of being part of the journey of understanding how you got to the numbers. And sometimes if you don't go through the bookkeeping itself, you don't get as much insight as just looking at a financial statement from right. far away. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. I mean, most clients, if you asked every single one of your clients, uh, or if you told them like, hey, your, uh, all of your transactions have been categorized and your bank accounts, uh, all of your accounts are reconciled through 228.19. I don't think they care. Like that doesn't, that doesn't really do much. No value add to them. Yeah. It's like, okay, great. That, that doesn't really mean anything. Like yeah. it's, it's cool because I'll have, you know, uh, reports to, to furnish in case, you know, I'm looking to seek financing or, you know, whatever, but like you really have nothing to talk about after that. So if you have all of these bots or whatever that controls all of that, it, it really, it really doesn't really change like your relationship with that client. You still have to maintain the relate and manage the relationship. And like sometimes every now and then it's good to know, to take a peek at like what, what they're spending or, or what restaurant they went to. You'd be surprised if, if, you know, you took five minutes before a call with a, with a client and you look at like their last week purchases uh, and you notice that they were traveling to Miami, like, and the first thing you said is, oh, how was Miami? Like, that's so important to the client because they know that they have somebody that is looking out for them and it's not just some robot. 
like if, if you translate this into the home automation sector where, you know, uh, you have like uh, a security system that's linked to your Google home or your Alexa, you know, you can tell, you can tell Alexa or Google home to set your alarm, but they can't really, you can't really ask them, Hey, uh, am I truly safe to tonight? If all my doors are locked and my alarms are set. So it's like, you, you still want somebody to like reassure you that everything that you're doing is, is on point and accurate. Um, and, and you're not making any silly mistakes. And, and most of these business owners just likes, like to be listened to and no robot can, can do that. So I think that, um, in my opinion, we've, we've reached like a, we, we, we almost reached the pinnacle for like true automation for what we have to do from a bookkeeping standpoint and spending any additional time like demoing new apps or, uh, different types of, of systems. Like if you have a suite of services that works, you know, and, and uh, your firm is profitable, then I would say that just build on that and stop wasting time um, exploring new apps, uh, especially new ones, because as we all know, every new app needs to be tested. And um, there's been way too many times where I've been a guinea pig uh, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, incorporated a new app into my ecosystem and it was completely trash. It ruined the G, the GL. Can you, can you name a couple of them? <laughs> oh, uh, uh, let's let's add some spice like to this. Is, is this, uh, <laughs> gosh. <laughs> no, don't trash any of your app partners. You know, ones that could have been app partners. I, I'm, I'm already notorious for the whole Woodard thing. Trashing, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I, I think, I think, uh, what, what what are the apps that let's call it this? What are the apps that definitely need more uh, beta testing? Well, all, I would say all of them still need beta testing. Okay, even That's even your ones like Bill.com, Expensify. Although, I'll throw I'll throw an easy one out there. The PayPal app completely destroyed every one of my QuickBooks files. The first iteration of it. The Shopify app was the second one. Yeah, um, and I think most of the e-commerce apps. They're just completely destructive. Oh my gosh. Right. I mean, like revenue recognition. I'm surprised that uh, there, is, there is currently no technology that can like accurately perform like proper revenue recognition, especially for e-commerce companies. Um, like there, there might be some that can handle like a specific type of business where like everything is just powered through Stripe. But like, what if you have a client that has Shopify, Stripe, Square, um, you know, custom offline orders where, you know, you're, you're processing them at the invoice level and they're actually sending you a check and you're dealing with SKUs with all of them. Like there isn't anything that is uh, anything out there that, that handles revenue, revenue recognition properly just by activating an app, it always, you know, there's always going to be that um, variance in, in those holding accounts that it's just like the same thing with PayPal and, uh, and the, the Shopify app. Like I've, I've tested so many of those 
that I give up. Like whenever a, a new PayPal app comes out, I'm not even going to give it the time of the day because um, I just completely lost all faith in, in uh, the, the, the concept that that can be actually automated. Someday it might be, but like a lot of people have tried and failed. So I just, I'd rather just run the monthly financial summary in PayPal and be done with it. Brian, what about you? Any, any apps you want to trash? <laughs> uh, I really don't like the Stripe and Square integrations with any of the accounting softwares, to be quite honest. On, on like the PayPal front, I'm not really sure, but uh, like the ways that we find found to like get around sort of that integration is just throw everything into undeposited funds right away. Yep. Or some clearing right. account of some sort. Exactly. Reconcile it against uh, the actual deposit in the in the account and then the fees just come out as the difference i don't like i'm sure a lot of people do the exact same thing but you know it's still it's still a very ugly integration uh it needs some work and the fact that a lot of these uh paypal stripe these these uh the payment is it portal or gateway i think it's gateway isn't it gateway gateway yeah gateway thank you the the the, the payment gateways they because they take the fees out of every single transaction for the most part, unless I think you request it specifically, it becomes a lot more difficult to do the actual bookkeeping behind every single transaction. That's a good point. So if, if you guys are listening and watching to this and you have a, a customer, because I'm making the assumption that we're dealing with only accountants are watching this, but if you have a customer that has a, a credit card merchant that takes the fees net of the deposit, most of them, you can actually call them and say, hey, I would like to change this arrangement, so the fees come in as a separate transaction and it will change yep. your life. I yep. mean, like this little life hack will change your life. I mean, the difference between one and the other, it's completely different. And Intuit had this issue when they first started, like five or six years ago, I remember uh, the, the, the fees came net, I mean, the net of the deposit. And you had to actually proactively call, call Intuit and say, hey, change it for us. Now they do it the other way. Now they're doing it separate, which is good. Um, so that's something that you can now, I don't know if you can do it with Stripe. Uh, Matthew is asking if you can do it with Stripe. I think you could, Matthew. I think I haven't done it with Stripe specifically, but I think you could request it. Most, most merchants, especially if you say I'm leaving you because you don't do it, then they magically find the button that, 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 that could take a press to do it. So just, um, you want to make sure the fees come out separate because if not, yeah. it's a headache. Even I just think- a monthly fee too, right? I know, like I have, I, we have a couple. Yeah, the monthly fee ha- should be separate too, right? Well, no, like so I, we have a couple clients. I don't know if it's just a specific Moneris thing, for example. Maybe that's just a Canadian one. I don't know if you guys have heard about it in the U.S., but no. Okay, so it's maybe it's just Canadian, but so they take it uh, off the last can, deposit. No, no, they they charge you everything at the end of the month, right? One, so you have one you big get fee. All of, Exactly. So you get all of your, so you'll have uh, every money in. So say it's a hundred dollars in the bank yeah. that matches exactly to your invoice that you sent right. out at the end right. of the month, you'll get the fee for you know, that. That's going to, that's for evolved accounts because there's a, there's a sort of an underwriting issue there where if, if you close the account in the middle of the, of the, of the month, they, you know, they could potentially not get paid their fees. So I think you may have to have an account in good standing for a while to get to yeah. the point where you can request that one specifically. Yeah. But if the fees come out daily, I think it's, that should be good enough. And, and on top of that, for those types of accounts, you're normally dealing with reserves. So sometimes um, 
you know, they'll, they'll agree to, to deposit like the actual payments, but they'll hold back like a certain reserve for a year or two years or whenever, like you build up some sort of internal credit with them. And, uh, a lot of these systems like authorize.net and uh, uh, I have one client that has, that does like a ton of volume and I forget what, I think it's called IRN, whatever that stands for. And um, uh, like the, the deposits never match up to like what we anticipate. And it's because of these reserves. And sometimes these, the, the, the customer portals won't even give you like the calculations for the reserve. So you kind of have to like back into it. Um, but at the same time, you know, they, they hold their hat, their ha they hang their hat on the fact that they don't take any fees out of the deposits. They'll take the fees out once a month. So you're dealing with potentially, you're dealing with possible reserves. Um, the, the apps have a lot of trouble when they're dealing with refunds, especially if it's a net, refund or net debit refund um uh so let's explain those ryan so you can have a refund on the same day that you had a payment and then the net the, the deposit gets reduced and then you can have a, a day in which the total refund is a larger amount right. than the payments you get did for the day so you actually get money taken out of your bank but it's always a random amount Right. So it's like almost those are the worst. To, to like those are the credit card fees. impossible to reconcile unless you're looking at every single daily batch. Now, what about this one? I don't know if you guys have had this one. What about the customers that take out a merchant advanced loan? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> have and you then, seen those? Yeah. It, well, oh PayPal does it. So pay, PayPal. Uh, yeah, but, but, PayPal, but PayPal sends you a report. I mean, PayPal, you can see the information is pretty clear. Yeah, but right? but some some PayPal loans will will pull out a certain percentage of each deposit. So like you have to go into that, you have to go into PayPal and see like what was taken out for fees and what was backed out for the loan repayment. But if it's on the PayPal register, right? Yeah, that you can download in Excel and you can. I mean, yeah, yeah. Just, I think PayPal is probably the only one that could kind of do this one, but. There are some companies that are not associated with the merchant processor. They're like some third-party loan company and you're entering an agreement with the merchant processor and the merchant processor agrees to pay them a daily fee of whatever, let's say it's $68 a, month, a day. So you take out a loan for like, let's say $15,000 and then they figure out with the interest, they're going to take daily Monday to Friday, $68. And then what happens is whatever daily batch you have will be netted by that. If you don't have a daily batch, it, be, it becomes double the next day, plus some interest. I mean, the whole thing is insane to reconcile. And I had one particular client who was struggling cash flow wise, hence that's why they did it. And I told them, do not do this. I mean, they called me to say, should I do this? And I said, do not do this. And they said, I really need it. I said, do not do it. He says, well, I'm gonna do it anyway. I said, I, I swear to you, if you do this, I'm gonna triple your bookkeeping fee for that month. <laughs> Because, I, and then he did it. And then the next month I came in, I said, dude, what happened to your merchant? He told me, oh, I did the loan. And I said, okay, you know, I'm going to charge you triple. He's like, no, no, I can't afford it. I'm like, you wrote your own obituary, dude. I can't work with you anymore. You know, and, and I had to drop him. I, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't do anything. I was charging like $250 a month 
already pretty cheap. It's like five years ago. And I couldn't spend nine hours for that amount to reconcile that one loan. And they did it anyway. And I lost the client. I couldn't do anything else. I couldn't. It's, a, it's just too much work. Yeah. It's just too much work. When the you client have, doesn't take your advice, it just becomes. Yeah. Hard. Well, yeah. Right? Well, I mean, look, look, you have to make payroll, right? You know, no sure. banks, are, no banks are giving you money. And the only, the, the last card you have, it's that option. They give you the funding two or three days later. It's a pretty quick process. Pretty desperate. You need it. You did it anyway. But I, but the problem is I can't, I just couldn't. I was already, I was already charging very little already. I mean, this is a, like $2 million revenue company. This wasn't like, they were just struggling with cash flow. period. It wasn't like, this was a real business. Um, you know, but I, I told them just find another way, you know, don't pay yourself that month, you know, mm -hmm. whatever, you know, like, you know, don't pay your mortgage and get a late fee of a hundred bucks. That's still cheaper than paying me triple for the bookkeeping fees. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think, he, I think he had options, but you know, it's, it's a hard one. I, I don't know how you would have handled something like that. I would just like to point out that Bob Wang is on mute right now and he hasn't contributed. And I think we should call him out and he should contribute right now. Right. Well, I could kick him out. Or you, you could do that. That's true. Uh, I'm going to give you Bob, three seconds. Bob, what are you Come doing on, here? Bob, where are you at? Call, calling me out. I didn't, I didn't even know. I don't even know I was online. I was like in bed, you know, with my shirt off, just hanging out. And I'm like, holy shit. My, like my face is on there. I better put some shirt on. Uh, anyway, well, um, yeah, I don't know what else to, to add. Uh, I mean, credit card reconciliation, it's a pretty technical issue. I think everyone has a different way of, of doing it. Um, and like you said, I, I agree that uh, when the client does something like that, it, you, you got to be honest with yourself and you can't, it's got to be a win-win, right? Uh, otherwise, uh, it's not a long-term relationship. Bob, thank you for the color commentary. If you're not turning on your webcam, I'm kicking you out. Goodbye, bro. <laughs> Okay, sounds out. <laughs> Amazing. There are rules to Friday Night Live, and one of them, <laughs> if you want to talk, you got to show your face. Otherwise, watch, watch on Facebook. All right, let's change topics a little bit here. Um, let's, take, let's take that dramatic circumstance of the butt keeper, and let's see what we can learn from it. So this is what the page looks like. And um, they have essentially here, five different packages uh, let's call it four packages because the the free one doesn't count and the custom one doesn't count so they got four packages and these are not um value priced let's call it that and they're also not hourly priced although they are estimating hours which i don't know what the deal with that is but the, the learning from this is they've done something that's called productizing a service right so they essentially took a service and they productized it. When somebody walks in, hopefully they know which one to buy. I mean, as, as a small business owner, I have no idea what button I'm supposed to press here. So this is, this is a little bit confusing, you know, like, you know, like, okay, I can pay $99 a month and it's up to 50 transactions, but it's estimated four hours or it's $299 a month and it's the same 50 transactions, but eight hours. Hmm, which one should I buy? So obviously something, this is just, really jacked up. I don't even know how they get customers. However, is there an opportunity for us to sell more productized 
services to do something like that, prepackaged services that are not custom, that they're you know narrowly scoped. Um, so I like to kind of just let's just talk about that, maybe brainstorm a little bit about potential um, productized services that we can that we can create. Brian, what do you think? Can you bring up that pricing page again? I want to point out in that pricing page the difference between where our one component of that 299 package appears to be that you get a free QuickBooks subscription because the essentials has that star. Um, and it, it, at the, the bottom, there's a footnote. It says requires a paid QBO subscription. Okay. Via, yeah. So that makes sense. Okay. So I'm assuming that the 299 includes the subscription. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. so you save 50, $60, assuming they do plus, uh, you save $60 from QBO and you pay $200 more for apparently what it looks like four more hours of something um, of the bots processing time, I guess. Uh, I mean, on the, on the, sir, I'll start on the surface. You're paying, you're paying $2 per, per transaction. Every single transaction that runs through your business assuming it's only 50 paying two, uh, you're paying $2 every transaction. I think that's kind of outrageous. I, I guess, let, yeah, let's not have an opinion of whether it's good or bad. Let, let's just see what we can learn from this. Okay, let's take, let's take away some of the feelings. I, I might just uh, sign some of my clients up for the free one because I think I have some that are under 20 transactions per month. Right. <laughs> just to see what it does. <laughs> right. So let, let's just break down uh, the, the, this one for $2.99. So let's, let's well, th this, that one's weird. Let's break this one down, the $5.99 one. So, if you are a customer, so I'm gonna, this is gonna be a lesson on how to price and how not to price or how pricing, uh, I would say your pricing system or methodology could either be detrimental or positive, right? So if I'm looking at the 599 service and it's per month paid annually, it looks like there's no other choice to pay monthly in this case. So this is gonna be yeah. like quite possibly a one year commitment, right? So I'm gonna pay $600 and if I'm a customer, I will either, like Ryan just did, uh, I'll either divide that by the 110. So I'll say $600 divided by 110. That's, um, let's say $600 divided by 110 is, is that right? $600 divided by 110. It's five five $5.45 per transaction. That may be a jump, right? A, a, a heuristic the customer will make and they will think, well, what does that mean? Is that worth it? or they can do whatever estimated 18 hours, whatever that means. So we do $600 divided by 18, $33 an hour. So automatically the customer is either making that reverse calculation of, um, of saying this is costing me $5.45 per hour, or this is costing, sorry, per transaction or $33 an hour. So the first thing I would do is I will never give the customer that capacity to make that jump because that calculation actually hurts the buying process, in my opinion, okay? Agreed. Now, now it, if- the, It anchors them on the price. Well, I, I, I just think that it makes them do the wrong calculations, right? The, the calculation should be, I am gonna pay $600 and in exchange, I'm gonna save $600 somewhere else or save 800, save 900, save 10,000. Or in exchange, I'm gonna get more freedom to do something else. That should be what we're selling, not whatever those units of measure are.
but we discussed, we spent the first 20 minutes trashing them, right? So we, they are selling a productized service. We know that's what they're doing, right? It's, it's a offshore bookkeeping operation with the power of AI or some sort of, of, of AI function. It is a productized service because it is uh, price up front. There's no sales process. You know, people pretty much click buy now and it just kind of moves on. So what, what is your take on, on that concept, the concept of dividing it by transactions or by hour? How would you improve this? And what did you learn from this for your own practice? Yeah, I think, I think the goal here for, for BotKeeper was to show that the, the higher the plan you choose, the lower hourly yep. rate. Because the, the $299, you're paying $37.50 per hour, yep. 300 divided by eight. But then you, if you go to $600, uh, you're paying $33.33 per hour. Um, so I agree with you, Hector. I don't, I don't think that's the right method. Um, and what, what really strikes me is these are very, uh, I don't, I, I can't think of any uh, client that has under, I don't know. Uh, that's, that's probably like something that maybe I pick like 10 clients that, and count the number of transactions they go through a month. But I feel like um, even 200 is like extremely low. I feel like maybe 5% of my clients fall below 200 transactions per month. If you have like three bank accounts um, and you're doing all these transfers, do they consider transfers a, uh, a, a transaction? So um, I, I think that they, sh they should raise the transaction limits or, or, or not even include them. I would use or not even include them. Or is that part of their whole strategy where it's like, oh, you know what? Gosh, I probably need like, you know, something custom. Let me reach out to these guys. And then maybe that way they get your email address and they can give you a demo. And I'm sure they have a great marketing and onboarding team that will get you into a, you know, 1250 to $1,500 plan with unlimited transactions. I guarantee you the, the custom package They'll, they'll pretty much take anybody um, regardless of how many transactions that they have. All right. So um, I guess we could stop talking about BotKeeper for a while. It sounds like. I, I actually have a comment yeah. here. So yeah, go ahead. I, I actually feel like they might be trying to commoditize bookkeeping similar to what QBO Live is trying to do. I mean, I think from the conversations that I've seen online, QBO Live is trying to go more towards um, offering that support and people kind of doing the bookkeeping themselves. And if they have questions, they can go back to their kind of their live bookkeeper. But I feel like they're with this specific pricing, focusing on transactions and showing the hours, they're, they're it, to me, it feels like they're trying to commoditize it, setting that specific price uh, for a specific transaction and hour limit. Whereas, you know, if you look at say, Ron Baker, Mark Wickersham, those type of, uh, I guess, value pricing thought leaders, Right? They sort of preach that bookkeeping is not a commodity, uh, you know, and everyone has a different value. I, like, I, I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but everyone does have that sort of certain value. So when you're looking at something like this, where it's a very strict price, 
per month, per transaction, per hour, then it, I, I feel like it really does commoditize bookkeeping. All right. So we both of you guys mentioned that you guys were Zapier people. And um, let's, let's tell us how we can create our own bots with Zapier. So let's, that would be the transition. Look at that. Like I'm, I'm the Segway master. I love it. I love yeah. it. So how can, how can we build our own version of our automated bookkeeping with our own tools that we control with Zapier? So Brian, maybe tell us a little bit about uh, some of the stuff you're doing with Zapier, some of the exciting stuff. So that very much depends on what software you're using internally, to be quite honest. You know, for, for us at Blueprint, just as an example, uh, we've pretty much used Zapier to automate our onboarding. Okay, I don't know if you guys have seen any posts about this, but like I posted something back in April 2018 about a zap that I created that was, you know, it was 18 steps. Ooh, not that big actually. So I've actually changed that and it's now 52 steps. Okay, so hold on. Let's break that down before we get really nerdy on that. So sure. on- onboarding means that you have some sort of form on your website, I guess, where people were filling out information and the Zapier was automating stuff or was this something that it's like sort of a brand new file setup program where you enter variables somewhere and you press a button and then it prefills it for you. Can you give a, give me an idea what yep. that exactly what that is? Sure. So pre-sales they'll fill out a, or, or like a prospective client will fill out a form. Uh, that'll give us some information to kind of guide the conversation. And then once they actually agree to, signing on with us that's where this onboarding zap gets kicked off um and that's where they are you know getting various information from us about the kind of apps we're using different things we need them to fill out um just very like a lot of information that we need from them in order to kind of get that going and then it, it kind of culminates in that booking of the onboarding meeting so that we can Make no, sure. So, sorry, everything. I'm gonna keep pressing. Give me a specific example of <laughs> what Zapier is logging into, what app is, and is filling All what right. information, and how is it saving me time? All right. All right. We want the details here. So, once they've accepted a proposal in Practice Ignition, it'll the Zap will kick off from that trigger. The actions then go into different apps like Mailchimp. Uh, Asana, Slack, sending out emails through our Office 365. Um, within MailChimp, for example, when it hits that step, it adds them to a specific uh, onboarding list and then kicks off a drip campaign, right? So that's, that's even separate outside of the Zap. So as soon as they get added to that list, the drip campaign kicks off. We get four emails that get sent out across a week to say, welcome to, you know, welcome to Blueprint. We're excited to have you. Um, here's some things you can look forward to in the next few emails that you'll receive from us through this drip campaign. Um, you know, those emails send out kind of, here's the software that we're looking at. If you haven't received the emails, let us know, like the access emails, let us know. We'll send those out to you. And then the final one is that onboarding meeting request. So that's just specifically the drip campaign, but then internally we have that zap kicking off specific processes to say, we have a new client here's what you have to do in Asana, go through the checklist to make sure that you're onboarding, adding them all to the specific apps. Um, and then kind of, you know, making sure you're following up with them that they've got those emails from our drip campaign. They've been added to the uh, drip campaign properly. Uh, 
uh, and then following up if they haven't set up that meeting to actually request that meeting and like different, like I said, different processes around that just to make sure we're onboarding them properly over basically a two week span. Okay, so we, we, we create a customer or the lead in practice ignition. We send them the proposal. They accept yep. the proposal. We hit a, a yes somewhere. Your Zap is designed that when a new proposal is accepted, basically the program starts. Yep. Uh, it sounds like a bunch of people get notified of what's going on. So it's an yep. alert. It sounds like you, the client is sent a meeting request. So it's like, you know, book the meeting, whatever that meeting is, right? So I send a sense of like a calendar link or a calendar invite or a calendar app invite of some yep. sort. Yep. You're adding them as a new project into Asana, your project management system, and you're creating a Slack channel for them or what's what's yep. going on in Slack? Exactly. Yep. So we, we get a Slack channel created specifically for that customer. And then in the future, anything that we have to chat with our teammates about for that specific customer, we'll, we'll talk in that channel. Okay. That's great, man. There you go. That's artificial intelligence. You did it. <laughs> Ish, did it. I guess. I don't yeah, know. You did it. You made it into <laughs> artificial intelligence. Uh, all right. Ryan, give me some examples on that. Yeah. Mine's very similar, but much less complex and um, sexy. It's uh, basically, um, you know, our Zap, when we use Proposify as our proposal management system, and uh, whenever a proposal is, is accepted, we'll, uh, uh, that'll trigger out a bunch of notifications uh, via email on like who is responsible for, for what. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm making that sound better than it is. An, an email will come to me that the, the proposal has been accepted. And then from there, I can kind of like manually, it, it serves as a reminder for me to manually like review the client, see what their needs are, and then develop like a, uh, a, a workflow for that client and, and divvy out the, the responsibilities to my team members accordingly. Okay, so, so you, you're doing very simple. A bit uh, more basic. And Ryan, basic. and you haven't done it more advanced because you don't need to, or you're just kind of learning it? Well, I'll be completely upfront. I'm, uh, uh, I hired a, a full-time developer and we're, we're creating an app that's very similar to Zapier. So I don't, I don't want to nice. uh, give I will beta that for you. So you're yeah. also getting <laughs> the artificial intelligence world. I like it. That's yeah, awesome. Like so Brian, do you mind by popular request to up? Oh, to say yes. I, I know exactly who requested it. Yeah, she's saying show them your SAP. <laughs> I don't know if that's Canadian for something else, but, uh, you know, uh, right. So uh, wh while you do that and, and share the screen, I have very limited um, experience with Zapier. I did use Zapier once and I'll tell you exactly what happened. So I forgot to add a future event to a GoToWebinar, um, to a go my GoToWebinar event. And GoToWebinar, what happens when you have a webinar if you don't add a future event, it ends your webinar series forever. Oh, and, no. and you have to create a new webinar series. And I had 9,600 people in that webinar. So I literally had, to, I would have to go into each of one of them and register people manually one by one. Or I would have to email everybody and say, hey, you have to re-register to QE Power Hour to get into this. So I researched and researched. I probably spent four hours that night because I was like 
so nervous because even go to webinar wouldn't renew that that webinar. So I found Zapier and I said, let me try this. I created a new webinar series. I went into Zapier. I did the connections. It took me maybe an hour to figure it out. And then I connected it to a Google sheet. I uploaded the list of attendees, all 96,000, 9,600 to Google Sheets, press a button and overnight, it took maybe like four hours, all my 9,600 registrants were in my new GoToWebinar campaign. And that was $50. And I gotta tell you, best 50 bucks I ever spent. That's been the only experience I had with Zapier. Like in my mind, Zapier is my GoToWebinar fixer. Uh, but it looks like you guys have done more interesting things. So Brian, you ready, ready to share your screen? Oof, I don't know. This might be proprietary information to Blueprint Accounting. All right. <laughs> me, me, no, it's fine. I'll, I'll share. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, just blur, blur out. Uh, you no, know I don't know. You're good? Okay. No, I, no I'm, I'm completely fine with it. It's, it's all good. It's called uh, the, that's the newbie, the newbie initiation price. You oh, is that what it is? Nice. On know -how. <laughs> Beauty. No, I'm fine. You know what? I feel like if I share this, it might help people think about how to use Zapier. All right. Let me see here. So let, let yeah. me add let me add something. Yep. Friday nights, Friday night live is not about software uh, demos. We're yep. breaking we're breaking the rules here. We're supposed to be drinking and talking shop. But anyway, go ahead, Brian. Here we go, right here. We've got the beer. We're ready to go. There we go. Nice. What are you drinking, Hector? Right. You're on mute. Yeah, sorry. I just finished my scotch. You know what, Brian? While you do it, let me serve myself another drink. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, ever. Yeah. So, I mean, as I was saying, kind of kicked off by that service acceptance in uh, in practice ignition, and then we're just doing a few updates here to PipeDrive. We use that as our our pre-sales sort of CRM software. Just keep track of all our deals. So we'll, we'll update that deal, um, attach the practice ignition file, and then just doing some formatting here on first name, last name, because practice ignition, uh, if, if no one uses it here, but it, it actually combines those into a contact field. So we're gonna separate those. And then we're gonna add them to our MailChimp list just for every client that we've ever accepted or, or are working with. So that if we wanna send out a newsletter to every client, we can do that. So kind of handy there. And then we have these different paths where they're based on specific services that we have uh, in practice ignition. So pretty much they're boiled down to five different options. Uh, first one is, I think it's uh, bookkeeping. And then we have, no, so, sorry, solopreneur, bookkeeping, uh, and then three tax ones. So like if I look in the solopreneur one, for example, you can see they're getting added to the solopreneur list so that if I want to add uh, or if I want to send out some information specifically for solopreneurs, I can send it out to that list. And then we have nested paths, actually. So the first one, and it's pretty much the similar across all of them, is it's looking for uh, a new client. And kind of that rule behind it is if they have only accepted one proposal in practice ignition, then they're likely a new client. So they're going to get added to this onboarding list, which then kicks off that drip campaign that I mentioned earlier, uh, and then creates the project in Asana, creates some tasks around that, creates a channel in Slack, and then sends a, a channel message to a specific channel we have called business development saying that we've won a new client. 
And then if they're not a, not a new client, then we're looking at the other path here where basically all we're doing, it's considered a renewal, right? So if, if, if you think about it kind of logically, they're either a new client because they're accepting a proposal or they're a renewal because they're accepting a proposal that's kind of like, like renewing from the previous year, right? So we have that renewal and they're basically getting updated in that. Brian, which, which by the way, that may or may not include a scope change and a price change, correct? It, it could, right? Yeah, so it definitely could. It may not. So maybe we don't bump up the price. Maybe they take out a service. Maybe they add a service. I like to pick your brain a little bit about the business logic here, yep. uh, if you don't mind. So what when you renew a customer that's already there, what what is the new thing that you need to automate? I'm just just wondering. So they may have provided some information here, based on um, just something they may have provided new. So we're going to add that specifically in a Mailchimp list to say this needs to be updated in Mailchimp. Maybe it's a new email address. Maybe I don't know some specific information that maybe we didn't gather before. So we're actually going to just update that in their Mailchimp list. And then literally the only other thing that we're sending is just that Slack channel message to say, this is a renewal. They're still a client of ours. So keep working on that client. So, so you, every single year, the benefit is up for grabs in your business, right? Every single yeah. year, people have to agree to continue working with you. Yeah, you don't take, I mean, you don't take like, it for granted. No, I mean, like realistically. So the, the way we kind of have our, our, uh, our proposal set up is you could literally cancel at any point. And we can cancel at any point. And we feel, I don't know, we just, it's a philosophical thing for us where we feel that's pretty fair. I know, you know, some firms might like to lock you in for a year. You know, that's your choice. But for us, like, we want to be able to get out of the contract just as fast as they might want to if it's not a good fit. Right. So it, it kind of goes both ways. Right. So like in this case, because we believe in that philosophy, we, we go on that yearly basis where you need to renew every year. And the fact that we're renewing means we can actually increase the price or change the scope, whether it's an increase or a decrease, right? So okay. that's why we, we kind of have that path to say, is this a renewal, right? Okay. So just so people get informed as a renewal, the customer gets information about the renewal. If there's a price change, they'll get that information, I guess, as well. Yeah. If there's and, new new payment terms, that too, I guess. Yeah, and and the other reason we do that too is, uh, we're splitting it underneath each type of service because if we don't, then they may get added to a new client list where we don't want them to receive that onboarding campaign again because we've already onboarded them. Like they know every all the software that we're using. So there's no point in sending out all the this drip campaign to say, hey, here's Receipt Bank, here's HubDoc, you know, here's Auto Entry, here's uh, QBO, here's Zero, like all these different apps, right? Because they already know the specific tech stack that we're using, so they don't need to be onboarded again. So there's no point in them going through like you know this kind of checklist again, and you know, and, and us creating another project, another task, another channel because we already have those available. Right. So okay. So you have a you have a Zap with for a new customer and one for a renewal of an existing customers what are the saps you work with what are the saps you have too many <laughs> okay so that that's specifically for onboarding but i mean we have a bunch here um you know we have eight different type form ones 
And these are all on our website. If you ever wanted to go look, you can definitely literally just click around and see what each of these are linked to. Um, you know, we have our bookkeeping onboarding one that's specifically for, for the, uh, the one that I just showed you guys. But we also have, if you click on our bookkeeping package, you'll get sent to that type form. Um, you know, our controller CFO, new client questionnaire, just various things like that. Um, Sorry, what do you mean by these are on your website? You're saying the forms are on your, on your website? Yep. Okay. Like so, that's, that's the flow that the user, like as the user signs up for a package or, or whatever link they click on in the website, in the background, th that kind of flow is occurring. Yep. So like this one right here, this specific button on our website, if I click on it, it'll take you into one of our type forms, right? So that one is actually linked specifically to this one right here. And if I click on that flow, you can see it's a new entry. It's creating that person and organization and deal in pipe drive and then sending a, a channel message as well as responding through email. What, what's, what, what's the what's the P? What is that? Pipe drive? Pipe drive, yeah. That's our, that, our pre-sales or, or like CRM software. C, CRM, okay. So yeah. so you you're adding the lead in, in this case, you're adding a lead in CRM. Yeah. And you're also creating a Slack channel so you guys can talk about the lead, I guess. No, just a channel message. So we, we have a channel that is specifically for new leads. Right, new leads. Yeah, okay. yeah exactly. Yeah. So, exactly. so everybody knows, hey, by the way, we, we got a new lead. You know, let's get on it. Yep, exactly. And, and then it talks to Outlook, it looks like. It's, it's talking to yep. Outlook. So it's just sending an email to say, you know, thanks for filling out this type form. Uh, we'd love to chat with you. Here's our calendar link. Book time with us if you want to chat. And just, just curious, Brian, this will be more of a business question. When you get these leads from the website where people fill out their information, you follow this up with a phone call automatically or just an email and wait for people to call you? So it, it's an email, but we also get copied on it so that if we see they don't respond, then we can just follow up with an email or a phone call because you know we're gathering that specific information in the type form. So like if I walk you through it, for example, you can see this on the website anyways. Right, we'll just fill this out. How'd you hear about us? Let's say referral, email address, phone number, right? So we have all these answers anyways. So the fact that we're getting this email sent out and we're getting copied on it, we know that they filled out the type form. We're also seeing the, the Slack message, an email, plus a deal created in Pipedrive. So kind of three different avenues to actually review like a prospective lead. And then if they don't respond, we can either call them because we have that information or we can just follow up by email. And let me ask you another business logic question. So let's say you can't close the customer. Do you completely remove them from your list or do you put them in a follow-up next year type of uh, mailing list? Depends on the response, to be honest. Okay, so if let's they're say- like they, call they say you. no chance, like, you know, we were just checking out your website. Uh, your prices are too high, for example, because we do have prices on our website. Uh, we'll just say, thanks. That's great. Let us know if you have any questions. Move them to lost in, like there's a lost section in, uh, in Pipedrive for lost deals. So you don't try to, So it sounds like you got a nice website. It looks like you got a nice website. So you're probably getting a lot of these leads. You're not doing anything with these lost leads? No, but I mean, like we have their information. So if we want to follow up, we could do it in three, six months, nine months, a year, okay. right? 
just kind of okay. see where they're at in their business. Because I'm thinking, I, I do that too. Uh, we, we have a humongous database. Like the amount of leads that we get in our, our firm is, it's, it's a number that can't even calculate. It's just incredible. Mm-hmm. You can't calculate it. I'm kidding. It's just a big number. And, yeah. and I would say 19 out of 20 are just tire kickers, right? The random person from a random place in the world yep. e- emailing us because my email was published and I don't know what the purpose was, but at the end of it, they don't want to pay for service. Yep. So what we do is we put them in a, we have, we have in a big, big list and, uh, and we don't know what to, we don't know what to do with those. We have like 10,000 emails in there. We don't know yeah. what to do with them. You know, there's people that say, no way, no how we take them off, but what do we do with all those? So what we've done in the past is um, if I have a new video, that's a lead magnet, for example. So I have a new video that, uh, thanks for sharing, Brian, by the way. Yep, no problem. So if I, if I have a new video that shows people how to connect to QuickBooks Online or something, Every once in a while, we'll test it and send a, a batch email to all those dead leads. And usually out of maybe a 500 that we send, we'll have like two or three people that can actually turn into clients. So the point is when somebody tells you your prices are too high, they were too priced for that moment in their life, that moment in their business, especially if they're just getting started. A couple of years later, they can they can turn into something else. So I wonder if you had a set for that. I was, I was just trying to pick your brain around that. Yeah, we, we don't right now, but that's actually a really good point. Uh, kind of that follow-up, right? Because the fact that they showed that interest initially means that there is some interest there to work with us, right? You just kind of need to massage it and, and work them towards actually wanting to work with you. Brian, thank you very much for showing us that. You should you should definitely do webinars and stuff on Zapier, it looks like. that You, you, got, you guys know enough about it to start educating us and I think you can charge for these things. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing, Brian. That that's completely badass, uh, super official. You could definitely, um, like Hector said, put put together some sort of webinar for accountants, and I think you would get a lot of traffic. That's that's amazing. Good stuff. I think I think Thanks, that guys, I appreciate that. I think that even for your own clients, I'm sure you have a lot of clients that do a lot of manual processes. I mean, they get leads, they have to follow up with them. They have a CRM system. They have to, uh, you know, is that a service you provide for your clients or, or not yet? It's it's something we're starting to roll out actually, because we've noticed just even processes within the accounting uh, workflow, right? There's things where, you know, just different information is, is disjointed and there's better ways to get it to us. So we've used or we've implemented some things ourselves just to make it easier for us. But, you know, I think that's kind of a deeper conversation to say to a client, like, listen, we can give you a little more value by looking at your different workflows and maybe automating it a bit more for you so that it becomes more efficient for you. And then you can actually focus more on building your business. But again, that's like another conversation we need to broach with them eventually. And and, and, and it is a new and I wouldn't throw I wouldn't throw that in. I would make that a completely separate service. Oh yeah, yeah, no, totally. We're we're uh, we're starting to do that now. We have a few clients on kind of like the the project work related to right automating different processes through Zapier, but um, you know it's it's in the works for sure. Yeah, I, I think the differentiator should be the fact that you can identify the automation opportunities and you know that they can be executed as long as they have a you know, automation consultant or Zapier consultant, whatever you want to call it. But I would never give that away. I mean, I would probably give away the idea that this can be done, but never 
I, I, this is a whole another world. You know, maybe ten years from now, it is standard that accountants have to use Zapier, right? This this could be the next Excel, the next standard tool that accountants must use. Otherwise, they're just completely out of the market. Just like you know, using cloud technologies and and that stuff is just pr pretty much becoming the new normal, right? Um, let's wrap it up because it's already been a year. Brian, awesome man, nice to meet you. Hopefully, uh, we can hang out in Ottawa when I go July second. Remember that. For sure. And Ryan, what about any last words about Zapier and maybe some of the things you wish you could do in Zapier yourself or 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 anything on this Zapier automation front? No, just to piggyback what you said about, you know, um, the the possible benefits of of being able to roll that out to your clients. Like that's something that would be a major breakthrough in the industry because the one thing that anybody can argue is, you know, we can pretty much do everything but help the clients increase revenue, right? Um, we can show them how to like mitigate expenses to a certain degree and, and we can help them increase net profit, but it's normally at the cost of goods sold or expense level uh, and not necessarily increase net profit by increasing revenue. Now, all of a sudden, if you have these skills that Brian has and you can implement um, that funnel into a client's business and all and and maybe uh, you know you have some advertising expertise whether it's Google ads or Facebook ads um, and you can set up like a really cool funnel um, then all of a sudden you can start messing with the revenue side of your uh, of your client of your client's business now all of a sudden you're like this ultimate, business advisor um and an, an extremely valuable asset to your client and um i think that is definitely at the forefront of the future of of the accounting industry we have to look away uh not look away completely but we have to kind of look at different areas of where we can provide value not just from a bookkeeping accounting compliance standpoint and more of like how do we truly help our clients grow and and a huge piece to growing your business is, in, is increasing revenue so um brian i think you have a very good head start there absolutely all right guys it's been an hour uh thank you for doing a demo of zapier after midnight I find that to be particularly interesting um and brian you hit a home run man first time in friday night live and you're dropping more knowledge that uh than Ryan, let's just say that. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's got their specialty. That's right. That's right. I, I think Ryan you did a great job, buddy. No, no, he always nice. does, man. R yeah, Ryan knows I'm sure. messing nah. with him. He's got the knowledge, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Good night. Good night.